His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. Awesome. Hmm. <laughs> Lord, I just thank you that you had this plan tonight. And our expectation levels are going to just keep rising. <laughs> Lord, that they're just going to keep rising tonight for what you're about to do and what you're doing. Thank you, God. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Hmm. So, um, what I'm sharing tonight actually ties right into what what we just were declaring. Um, <laughs> um, I just want to read this first real quick because I read this earlier today, and I just love this. This is um, in Joshua, and Joshua had over and over the same word repeated to him over and over. It was... Be courageous. Do not be afraid. Be courageous. And here they just defeated a bunch of of armies that came against them in the promised land. And uh, Joshua takes, tells the kings to come that they had just defeated. And he he has them lay on the ground and he puts his foot on their neck. And he says to all of their leaders, Don't ever be afraid or discouraged. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord is going to do this to all of your enemies. (laughs) I just love that. Just picture it. He's standing there. This is your enemies that all came against us, and he has his, his foot on their neck. And he says to all of his army leaders, that's to us. I feel like the Lord's saying it to all of us. Don't ever be afraid or discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord is going to do this. He's going to put your enemies under his feet, every one of your enemies. And actually, it's already happened. All of the enemies have already been defeated. I think that's awesome. So, um, okay, I'm just going to go through how I have it written. This is John 15, 4. I just thought this is an awesome verse to start with. So you must remain in life union with me. This is Jesus talking. For I remain in life union with you. (laughs) Jesus is in life union with us. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to me. And this is something the Lord uh, spoke to me. Connection is what I desire most. You will discover that most problems find their solution in just greater connection with me. I'll say that again. You will discover that most of your problems find their solution in greater connection with me. That's it. When you connect and feed on your circumstances, you only get starved because they will not feed you and scared because that's all they give is fear. But when you are connected to me and you feed on me, I take up all of the space in your heart and in your mind and there's no room for anything else. 
The truest of all truths is found in Jesus. The realest, if that's a word, well, I think it's a word, but if I'm using it right, the realest of all realities is found in Jesus. The very center of accurate logic is found in Jesus. So it doesn't matter what you see, whatever's going on in heaven, that's the truest of all truths. That's the center of all logic and all reason and all reality. That's the, the most real of all realities is Jesus and what Jesus says and what Jesus is doing. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you're facing. Those things are, and it doesn't matter what you think uh, is logical. He is all logic. He is the very center of logic. So when we are connected to him, we feed on what's real. And we realize, oh, these things weren't real. Okay. Um, then this is another tag on. Hardness, hardness of heart or not feeling any emotions towards the Lord or maybe just having the wrong emotions. Maybe it's just fear and stuff. Hardness comes when there's disconnect from the one who is the source of all emotion. Did you know that he is the source of all emotion? He wants you to have emotions, but it's just like you can get full of fear if you're feeding on their circumstances. You can get full of the wrong emotions, and they can feel out of control, and they can feel whatever if you're feeding on something other than the one who is the source of all emotions. He's the source of true emotions, the emotions you should be having. This is Song of Solomon. This is how I know this. Song of Solomon 5.13. Looking at his gentle face, I see such fullness of emotion. Like a lovely garden where fragrant spices grow. What a man. No one speaks words so anointed as this one. Words that both pierce and heal. Words like, uh, like lilies dripping with myrrh. I see in his face the fullness of emotion. He has all of the emotions. So when we need help with our emotions, just get connected. So what happens, and this is something the Lord, and this is the main part of what I was wanting to share. What happens when his words don't quite feel alive? What happens when our emotions of faith and excitement at what he is saying and what the prophetic words that are going on or the, the things you're reading, what happens when those things just feel like the just another one. It's just another word. It's just another scripture that just another. What is that? That is unbelief. <laughs> this is that. That's what the Lord just uh, spoke to me. But no worries. Unbelief is not too big that God can't set you free of it in an instant. So this is what I wanted to read. Exodus 17, 1 through 7. This is um, Israelites in the desert. And I used to think, when I, when I read this, I used to think, wow, pff, man, these people are whiners, complainers. And you read about the kings, and you're just like, good grief, can they not get their act together? And then you go through things, and you realize, whoa, my heart like kind of sounded like what this is right here. <laughs> oh, Okay, I guess that I could have possibly not been Joshua or Caleb back then. <laughs> it's hard to believe, but okay. Uh, so the Lord's leading them through the desert. At the Lord's command, 
The whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin. That's always good. <laughs> no, there was a note in one of the translations that said, this word sin does not actually mean sin. Okay, because <laughs> you know that there's been probably lots of sermons about that. <laughs> okay, and moved from place to place. Eventually, they camped at some place where there was no water, where there was no water for the people to drink. So once more, the people complained, once more, the people complained against Moses, give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied, why are you complaining against me, and why are you testing the Lord, but tormented by thirst, because it didn't get fixed, tormented by thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children, our livestock with thirst? And Moses said, yes. No. <laughs> then Moses cried out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, and they are move, they're moving around by a, a, a pillar of fire by day and cloud by night. It's not like they took a wrong turn. Like God was like, okay, come right over here. And now they're mad. <coughs> Sorry. Um, so uh, the Lord said, walk out in front of the people. Take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile. Maybe they'll remember that I parted the, wa the water of the, of the Red Sea and that I turned the Nile into blood. Maybe they'll remember this sign. And call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock, and water will come gushing out. Then people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock. And I, I, I tried reading in different translations, so this is a side note. I don't know how accurate this is. But I think it's uh, interesting that the Lord said, I will stand before you, and then you strike the rock. And I just picture the Lord standing like right there taking the blow of all of their complaints, of all of their, because he, he is the rock that, that brings water in the desert. And, but I, I read it in different translation. It, I didn't see anything that didn't support that theory, but it wasn't super, super clear. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out as the elders looked on. And Moses named the place Massa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with the Lord and tested the Lord, or Mo argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord with us or not? And for a while, I just kept reading that story over and over, because um, it's also written in Psalm 95, and it's written in Hebrews 3 and 4. And for some reason, it was just sticking out to me over and over and over. And it was because the Lord was wanting to highlight unbelief that I had allowed to sit in me and hadn't realized. This is what Psalm 95 says. Drop everything and listen to his voice for what he's saying. Today, when I speak, don't even think of turning a deaf ear to me like they did when they tested me at Meribah and Massa. Um... For 40 years, I was grieved with them because they doubted my care for them. I described them as wicked wanderers whose hearts would not follow my or keep my words. So that was that. Uh, and Hebrews says, search your hearts every day, my brothers and sisters. Make sure that none of this evil unbelief is hiding within you. 
for it will lead you astray and make you unresponsive, which is, it includes emotionally, unresponsive to the living God. So unbelief makes the words feel like, hmm, whatever. I don't feel anything. There's no connection in my heart to what you're saying, Lord. This time, this is the time to encourage others, each other, to never be stubborn or hardened by sin's deceitfulness or the mundane of life or the hardships of trials. I added that little part. For we are mingled with the Messiah if we continue unshaken, that is the key, unshaken, in this confident assurance from the beginning until the end. The same people, here we go again, back to the, to the story. The same people who were delivered from bondage and brought out of Egypt by Moses were the ones who heard all of the commandments, heard God, and still rebelled. They had seen miracles. They had already seen manna fall. This story was after manna had come. They saw all of the miracles, but they didn't. They grieved God for 40 years because of their unbelief and they dropped dead in the desert. It is clear that they could not enter into the inheritance. This is the part that the Lord just kept speaking to me. Because they were wrapped their hearts in unbelief. When you wrap your heart with unbelief, and you don't, I mean, it's not like, huh, I'm just going to grab some unbelief here. You, when you do that, <coughs> it actually becomes a self-fulfilling attitude, a self-fulfilling because when you, are, when you say, oh, God will never do that for me, yeah, he won't. You're, you're going to die in the desert. Your, your unbelief of God is not good proved to you, you thought it proved that he wasn't good because he never took them into the, the promised land. They never got out of the desert because of their unbelief. So unbelief becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, a self-fulfilling attitude. They doubted God's care for them. They asked, is he really with us or not? They complained that life was too hard and the desert was too dry. Why were they stuck in this place? Surely it was Moses' fault. Surely it was God's mistake. Maybe his goodness and his love was just a myth. All of this was just hidden, uh, was just hiding the overlying issue of unbelief. See, if unbelief showed up in us with the name unbelief, We'd recognize it quickly and deal with it because it sounds big. Unbelief. Ah! No, not dealing with that. But when it comes, when it comes in smaller and seemingly less evil formats and forms, <laughs> formats, sounds like a computer term, but the fact uh, remains that it is unbelief. Even though the Israelites saw miracles for 40 years in the desert, this is later on. Forty years, every day, they saw manna come down. That's, well, skip the seventh day. So, uh, I can't do the math for that, but <coughs> most <coughs> days, <laughs> for 40 years, they had a miracle every morning waiting for them. Isn't that incredible? And yet, they missed out on the promise, the inheritance, the land of fruit, because they couldn't believe. So if we are waiting for miracles, breakthrough, if we're waiting for uh, a sign to believe, it's not going to work. The Israelites saw signs every single day, and it didn't change anything. But unbelief, the two, uh, the two problems with waiting on a miracle to believe in God's goodness is one, it will not change your attitude when it comes. 
Miracles will not change what your, your attitude. Miracles came to Israel, and still they had unbelief. And the second thing is unbelief will actually keep you from your miracle, so you'll never experience it. So you cannot wait on your breakthrough, your miracle, your whatever it is you're praying for to believe. That's, it doesn't work that way. <coughs> if nothing changes... Can you release praise and believe God is good to you right now? If nothing changes, when you get to heaven, are you going to look back at this moment or maybe moments in the future? And are you going to have regrets about the amount of praise and joy and belief you released in your life? Unbelief will suppress your joy, your hope, and your excitement for life. Are you living an abundant life? Um, unbelief will backfire on us every time. It parades as logical, and that's the biggest one that gets me. When you, when you hear unbelief and the excuses, well, I have just experienced this. I've just had um, not experienced what I'm looking for. It's just life. That's how circumstances are. That's how, this, that's how it is. <clears throat> we are not called to live as natural beings. We're not called to live on a natural realm. So if it's impossible, that's good. That's, that's what we're called to be, impossible people, people who believe for the impossible. How are we going to see miracles and the supernatural if we do not press into the impossible? How will we ever know if God wanted to change that person's heart or change that circumstance if we just say, ah, I've never seen that changed before. I love this. I was listening to Todd White uh, share about when he first got saved, and he had came out of Teen Challenge, and he read that, uh, you know, you're supposed to pray for the sick, and they were going to be healed. And he's like, okay, I'm going to pray for 9 to 12 people every day, and he had an accountability person that he would call and, you know, tell them, I've prayed for this many. For three months, he did not have anybody. His wife was mad at him for taking hours at the store. His, um, his family did not believe in any of it, was mad at him. He was embarrassed af from asking people if he could pray for him. But for three months, he did not see one miracle, not one person come to the Lord, nothing. For three months, nine to 12 people a day, every day. And at the end of the three months, he finally had one person who was a Catholic, got, let him pray for like his shoulder or something, and it, and it got healed. And Todd White was like, oh my gosh, wrote it down, it's a miracle. And he said from then on it started, every, I started writing down every week all of my testimonies because I had heard that Bill Johnson did that. And the first week I wrote like two, two down, and it would stay like that. I would have like two testimonies. Then it got to the point where I was writing for like two hours every day to the testimonies that happened that day. And now he said, the Lord released me from writing them down because they're logged in my heart. He has so many now. And you look at that and you're like, wow, I wish I was like Todd White. Guess what? You can be. God, you have the same Holy Spirit. If that's what you're called to do, you can be. But it takes persistence. It takes going after the impossible. It takes believing. When, for three months, you pray and nothing happens. It takes that. That was a rabbit trail. <clears throat> Unbelief will backfire on us every time. It parades as logical, as wisdom, 
as experience talking when all it does is make you unresponsive to what God and the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Unbelief causes deadness. Prophetic words, scriptures, sermons, and all the ways that God speaks to you suddenly mean nothing. You hear them, and you think, I'll believe it when I see it. I've heard that before. That's unrealistic. It's too late. I don't want to hear that anymore. That sounds impossible. It feels like the opposite of what you're saying, God. Those are all responses of unbelief. To believe God is our life. It is our life source. That is what we are. We are believers. That is our name. And it is what we were made to do. It is really a big deal if we let unbelief, is it really a big deal if we let unbelief sit in us? Yes, because an entire generation missed out, spare two people, missed out on what they were called to do as an entire generation because of unbelief. All right, almost done with this part. I feel like I try to keep it minimized because I don't like talking about unbelief, 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 unbelief. <laughs> there is a solution coming up <laughs> after this break. No. Okay, disappointments are a big part of why we have unbelief. This is just um, probably, I mean, there's probably a, a lots of reasons, but this is just one. We let the disappointments of our past dictate the future. We look at God through the lens of disappointment and wonder if he's really good. Well, guess what? This is to myself, too. It is time for us to let go of disappointments. They are not ours to keep. It might have hurt. It might have felt hard. But that does not give you the right to hold on to them anymore. It is time for us to move on to let them go. Let God have them. And stop letting them shake, shake, and shape your reasoning. All right, this is the awesome verse at the end of, of Hebrews. And he's talking about don't be walking in unbelief. And this is what it says Jesus, he understands humanity, for as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way, just as we are, and he conquered sin. <laughs> so now, we can come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our times of weakness. Jesus understands the struggle and he's waiting there with mercy's kiss to give you the grace you need uh, to overcome, the power you need, the strength you need to not just endure but win. He paid for you to live an abundant life. So um, I was going to have us pray real quick before I kept going. Um, wait. Oh, the wilderness was, you know, we do walk through wildernesses. We walk through trials. They are not our destination, but they have a purpose. They are, called, they are there to prepare us for the promised land. It is never supposed to be the end. The thirsty part, the hungry part, the enemy chasing you, you're, you're up against the sea. All of this is actually God's design. It's actually him who's orchestrated all of the, your wilderness to pull you into the fullness of your calling 
the fullness of the inheritance he had for Israel was on the other side of all these things they were walking through. So let our response be this, and this is not me, this is from a Hillsong song. God, if you're not done working, then I'm not done waiting. I do not want to leave this place until you have completely made me ready for the calling, the inheritance that you are giving. Sometimes in moments when I'm in the middle of something that feels harder than it's worth. Oh, yeah. Okay, I don't know if I want to share that. It's too personal. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not really at all. Um, I'll just recap real quick. So one thing that I like to do whenever I'm in the middle of something that feels really hard and it's like, is this even worth it? is to remember and to just think about eternity and the fact that I love the scriptures that say God catches every one of your tears. He puts them in a bottle, so he's keeping them. And then in Revelation and in Isaiah, it says he wipes away every tear. So every single hard thing that I'm walking through, he's not afraid that I'm going to get to heaven and be like, yeah, that was not okay. That was not fun. I walked through that and this is all I'm getting? He catches every single little moment that we cry, that we have pain, that w and he says, okay, I've got it in my bottle. When you get here, I'm going to wipe it all away. You're going to see them all, and you're going to know it's going to be so worth it. It's going to be so worth it. I'm going to wipe all of the sting and all of the pain. God is not afraid that you're, you're going to get there and think it's not worth it. I also like to think about, like, what will we be doing in eternity? Obviously, we'll be worshiping. But what is God preparing us for? I just love that. Is he really just going to just make us walk through all this stuff and then at the end stand? You know, I love the, I love the parables where God says he, he um, gives the ones that were faithful cities to rule over. I don't know what God's going to have for us. But whatever we're going through here, I can guarantee you this, it's worth it. It is a hundred and bazillion times worth it. Okay, so um, I just wanted to pray real quick, have all of us pray. Um, just for me, it was like not really unbelief, it sounds so big, but it's not. It can be just even just a small thing. But for me, it was, um, I had heard a story of somebody that was believing for something. And the first thought I had was, man, they're going to be disappointed. What in the world? Where did that come from? So I just uh, let's just ask Holy Spirit to come. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would come. And Lord, that you would highlight any unbelief in our hearts not because you want to expose how evil <laughs> we are or because of how bad something is, but because you want to just set us free. Hmm. So Holy Spirit, I just ask <coughs> that you would highlight any unbelief. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we just ask right now that you would cleanse us <laughs> of all unbelief. We repent for agreeing with lies. We are, uh, repent for, um, Lord, not believing the truth. And we turn 180 degrees away from that. 
And we tell you, we believe you. We believe you. Lord, it's what we said. We expect. We believe you. We believe you. We believe you, Lord. We believe you, Lord. We believe you for the miraculous. We believe you for the things that have taken a long time. We believe you, Lord. We believe you, Lord. Our hearts are in one accord. We say we believe you, God. We believe you, Lord. All unbelief is not allowed to stay in our hearts. We believe you. We are responsive to your words. We respond with faith to every word you say. We believe you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to skip to the end because this is a really cool part. It's eight, but... Okay. But... I was... Yeah. Okay, so... Now that we believe... Um, <coughs> I have lately, it hasn't been like a, an exact word or promise or anything. I have just felt so excited for what the Holy Spirit is going to be doing in this area. And I know that he's coming to this area because of one reason. I'm here and we're here. That's it. I mean, there might be other reasons, but he's coming in an outpouring here because we're here. He loves to come here because we're here. And um, I was reading in Acts, that's, and I love reading in Acts. It just gets my hunger going like, oh my gosh, this is what you want to do. And I was reading about Saul falling off the horse, getting knocked off the horse. And um, I was just wrote, I wrote down in my journal, um, uh, I wrote down, this is April 9th, I wrote down in my journal just like, what does God want us to do for our number one persecutors? Our number one persecutors of the church back then got saved. <laughs> How awesome is that? He was throwing people in jail. They were afraid of him, and God saved him. That's what happened back then. So, Lord, what do you want me to do right now? Do you not? Of course, you want me to pray for the ones that are our number one persecutors. And in America, it's a little different. It's more like your number one resistors, <laughs> the ones that are so hard. And um, so I was on my way to work, and I was like, Lord, who would that be? Who do you want me to pray for? And immediately, I, um, I, oh, gosh, I better not cry. Hang on. Locked in. Okay. Um, immediately, I knew I was supposed to pray for the LGBT community and, uh, and Spencer. And, uh, I just asked the Lord that he would save them, and that was it. I didn't feel any emotions like I do right now, and um, I just prayed that, Lord. I feel like they, they are so offended with the church. They're so offended with you. A lot of, You get that vibe, so Lord, save them, and that night, and I wasn't even thinking about it the rest of the day. That night, I had a dream, <laughs> and I know that it was God's response. <laughs> Sorry, I'm also, I'm emotional today. No. <laughs> I can't pull that since I'm not a girl. <laughs> uh, so in the dream, I was scrolling through Facebook 
and in the dream. I do not do it so much that it gets in my dreams. No, I'm just kidding. And I came across a post from one of the Spencer Pride leaders. And I was in the in the dream. I started reading it. It was a poem that they had that they had posted, and in it it had these things that kind of alluded to God. And I was like, "Oh, that's weird. Why would they post something like that? Like that's the last thing I would have thought they would put in their poem." I was kind of shocked at it, and uh, because I I knew that they had been angry at God and at Christians. So the next thing I knew, I was watching a YouTube video. And it was the whole Spencer Pride community. They were all in, all in the video, and they were talking about worship <laughs> and the different expressions of worship, like flags and dancing and raising your hands. And they were encouraging people to fully express themselves in worship to the Lord. And then they began to just sing this beautiful song about how great God's love was. It hit me in the dream that they, the whole community, had gotten saved, and now they were a church. (laughs) See, I didn't even know that this was on God's heart that much, because it just felt like a Saul. (laughs) But look how much God wanted Saul. Look what he did for Saul. He came personally and met with Saul and gave him visions. What does he want to do for the people in our community, the people in our lives that feel so hard, that feel like they're untouchable? What does he want to do right now, right here in this community? I didn't even know it, but this was his heart. He gave me a dream to confirm, this is what I'm longing for. This is what I want to do. And you know what? He's going to come. He's going to come. And it might be completely messy, and it might, we might not have the answers. We get so tied up with how. How are we going to do it? How are, how are we going to fix things? How are we going to keep our order? He is the how. He's the answer to the how. Jesus has got something planned for this area, for this community, and all we need to do is believe. All we need to do is believe. So uh, to end it, I want everybody to stand. <coughs> And I want you to ask the Lord for something impossible. I don't, don't, it can be something you've asked for before, but I don't want it to be small. Don't let it be something that feels doable. (laughs) Holy Spirit, just give us, every single one of us, what it is you want us to ask for tonight. Once you got something, uh, uh, just raise your hand, I guess. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, right now, We just come before your throne. Every one of these things is on your heart. And we just tell you that we believe. We believe for the impossible. We partner with you right now. 
because you just love partnering with us. And we say, do these things, Lord, right now. Do them. We believe. We don't have to beg you. It's already on your heart. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. I just see you touching every one of the situations. Yes, Jesus. Yes. 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 Thank you, Lord. Ha. We expect the miraculous in our lives and in every one of these situations. We expect to hear reports. We expect the miraculous. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for listening to this message. You.